Big Bear. Uh, a tremendous time. But I want to start out just by saying how grateful I am to be a part of this church uh, and, and to cooperate and do life with you guys. Friday night was incredible. Uh, just just a, a, an, an awesome night below the stars, below the blue moon. It wasn't actually blue. I was checking. It didn't turn blue. But it's a, it's a special thing that happens where we get two full moons in one month. And it won't happen again for a few years. But, you know, that's special. But, you know, we got to be in the presence of God uh, Friday night. And uh, I don't know what happened, but some neighbors came by that live back here, and they complained that it was too loud. It really wasn't loud. But something happened where, you know, it made them feel uncomfortable. So we were going to work on that. But it was a special night. I, I want to lift up our elders because uh, they spent the whole night praying over people and anointing people with oil. Uh, and it was a, a tremendous time where I just saw us as a community ministering each other, helping each other, praying for each other. And uh, I appreciate so much uh, Joe and Sandy and, and Dave and Shirley and all that you guys do and, and everybody else. And, and we're looking forward to uh, growing this out so we can have a place where people can go and get prayer uh, when they need it. Uh, also want to thank our, our VBS uh, teachers and coordinators and dancers and all you guys that participated in VBS. What a tremendous time VBS was for, for six weeks. So thank you for that. Uh, we got to honor some of the coordinators on, on Tuesday and, and passed out gifts Tuesday night. So VBS is officially over, but we're going to continue to have our regional uh, midweek with the lip sync battles. If you missed last Tuesday, oh my. Okay, th this was off the hook. And so we've got the, the finalists, the final four ministries are going to be doing lip sync battle. And you think church is no fun, you need to be here on Tuesday night and you will see it is off the hook, literally. Uh, so what a tremendous time. But I wanted to uh, just start out and kind of recap this series that we're doing called Connect. I want to thank Anthony and Mike because this is their baby. This is their, their series. They put it together. And you know why they put it together? Because we need to connect. All right? And, and we're not as connected as we need to be as a church. And so I really, really hope that you're, you're making some decisions on how you're going to connect and, and just to kind of do a brief review of the last three weeks, we started out with week one talking about being connected to God, okay, being connected to God in your daily walk with him. Because if he's not with us, if he's not with you, you know, what's the point, really? And it's daily, it's every day. And then number two, second week, we looked at being connected with your physical family, which isn't easy, Okay, I've got, I've got four brothers and sisters. It isn't easy. There's, there's drama to spread around. It takes work. It takes effort. It's always about making peace and loving each other. And, and as Mike shared, sometimes the people that you're closest to, like your spouse, are the hardest people to, to extend grace to. Okay? Then number three, last week, Anthony did a tremendous job talking about being connected to your brothers and sisters. And, and what, are we, what are we battling here with these first three? We're battling independence and individualism. And it's, it's invading the church. Everybody's about my space and my place 
and my, my, my life and my time, that is totally against what Jesus came here to establish. And God's way is all about connecting. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed any of this, I want to encourage you to go back to our website and watch. And so today we're going to be talking about the part four of our Connect series, and that has to do with connecting with your community. Connecting with your community. What are we talking about? This is a community, but what we're talking, the context of this community that we're going to talk about today has to do with the community that's around us. People that aren't a part of our church. People that are out, this is how the Bible describes them, outsiders. If you're a guest here today, you're our community. And God wants us to have a heart for our community. To care about them, to reach out to them. Because at one time, you and I, guess what we were? We were outsiders. We were part of the community. And thank God somebody reached out to us and had a heart for us. And they connected with us. They said, hey, I want to connect you with God. I want to connect you with God's church. And so here we are. And we got saved. And and it's so important for us to see Jesus is calling us not just to be believers, but to be followers. So, you know, if you think about it, why, why do we connect? What, what's the point? Why, why connect? Why not just be isolated? Because we decided to follow Jesus. And, but there is a difference. I want you to understand I would say probably 90% of Christians in the United States, 90% are just believers. It may even be a, a larger number. They're just believers. See, because they took the part of the New Testament that says, Jesus called people to believe in him. And they said, that's good enough for me. But they missed the part. Jesus did not stop with just calling people to believe in him and to wear a pendant. Or to have a, a, you know, a fish on the back of their car. I'm a believer. You know, that's great. But that's not where it stopped. Jesus didn't call people just to believe in him, although he did. He said, I want you to do what? Follow me. So why connect? Because we follow Jesus. We're following Jesus. And Jesus is calling us to connect with God, with our physical families, with our spiritual families, and he's calling us to connect with our community. And that was what the whole, the first century church was all about. Man, when they came on the scene and the day of Pentecost, the whole city knew these guys want to help the community. They were about healing, they were about feeding, and that's what Jesus did. So if I want to be a follower, if I want to be a follower of Jesus, what do I need to do? What, what, what's, what, what did Jesus call me to do? And we can go back. The incredible thing is about the scriptures, we can go back to the very beginning and we can find out what did Jesus say to his first followers. And if he said that to them, guess what he's going to say to me? If I was standing in front of Jesus today, he'd say the same thing. And so you and I get to look back in the pages of the beginning of Jesus' ministry and we get to look at what he said. So let's start. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus calls his first disciples. This is the first call. Jesus is just starting his ministry. Came out of the baptism himself, 40 days in the wilderness. He starts preaching, and then he goes to this, this place in Galilee, Capernaum. 
And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Now, I want you to stop here and think about this. You're the Son of God, and you're launching a movement that's going to change the world. Not just at that time, for all time. Why would you call fishermen for this job? This is interesting. Okay? We read on. What did, what did Jesus say to them? He said, come follow me. Again, don't just believe in me. That's step one. Believe in me and then do what? Follow me. This word, when you break it down, follow me means come after me. It means do what I do. Imitate my steps. I can't be like Jesus. Yeah, I know you can't. I know I can't be like Jesus, but he's still inviting us and he's still calling us to do the very best we can at being like him. You can imagine how they felt being fishermen. And he goes on to say, and I will send you out to do what? Fish for people. So they understood exactly what Jesus meant. The same way you guys do this professionally, I'm going to change it around and you're going to be fishermen of people. That same way you go out every day and you, you try to catch fish, you're going to be fishermen of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. So I want to, I want to talk about this real quick. Let, let's talk about fishing. You guys ready? I don't know if you noticed, but I got, I got my fishing shirt on. This is a real fishing shirt. Okay, it was given to me by a friend of mine. He was a deep sea fisherman. Uh, and he said, I want you to have one of these shirts because this is what deep sea fishermen wear. Okay, so I decided to wear it today. But again, why did Jesus, did you know that his top guys, the three top guys that Jesus chose, of all the people, the top three, do you know what their occupation was? Fishermen. Why did Jesus choose fishermen? He's launching a, a movement, a spiritual movement. Why would you choose people that are not educated in the background of spirituality and the Bible? Maybe they knew something about the Christians, but why, why did he choose these guys that were, as the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, describes these men as ordinary, unschooled men? Why did he pick them? And this is really, really, really important for all of us. Because it's going to come down to you, why did Jesus pick you? Do you have the qualifications to be a follower of Jesus? And by, you know, appearance, you say, no, I don't think these guys had the appearance. So can we talk about fishing for a little while? Because this is important. If he chose fishermen, there just might be a parallel between fishing and following Jesus. Okay, so you ready? So what, is a, what does a fisherman need? Okay, there was two types of fishing. Fishing with a line, fishing with nets. Now we know that they fished with nets. But, you know, can't bring a net in here today, so I figure we're gonna bring a, a, a pole, okay? I brought all the equipment here, okay, with me. All right, 
I got the stuff. Not all the stuff, but some of the stuff. Okay, I got this heavy duty. This is a deep sea fishing pole right here. All right, you got, you got your pole. Uh, you, got, you, got, you got your boots. Okay, and I'm going to explain why fishermen need boots. Okay, you got, you got your boots. Uh, you got some bait or, or, as we see here, lures. And these are deep sea fishing lures. And this is very, very important for fishermen. If you think about these two pieces of uh, lure or bait, okay, what's, what's the difference between these two? And I'm, I'm glad it's got the protectors on, on this one because I've hooked myself before. Okay, I'm not a great fisherman like some, okay? What's the difference between these two lures? Okay, you got your size, but... Tell me which one you go after if you were a fish. This one, right? Maybe some of you like, like this, this one's kind of beat up. It's got rust on the hooks and it's kind of used. It doesn't look authentic. Now, this one, on the other hand, looks authentic. When you use lures in fishing, it's got to be authentic. Do you think there's a parallel? Okay, and let's just talk about bait. Did Jesus bait people? Absolutely he baited people. Oh, I don't like that. You know, bait seems... No, bait is you get baited every day. Jesus baited people with meals. He baited people with health care. He baited people with great teaching. But let me tell you about bait if you're a fisherman. It's got to be authentic. It's got to be real. can't be fake. It's got to be something believable. So if you're going to be a fisherman, Jesus wants us to be authentic. Okay? And, and let's just talk a little bit more. You know, boots. Why, why, why do fishermen need boots? Uh, if you've ever been on the deck of a, of a, of a boat or a, a ship, um, it gets kind of messy, particularly when there's, you know, fish guts on the deck, blood. Uh, it gets kind of messy with the, maybe if you're fishing for shark, there's chum, and it's basically chopped up fish, fish guts, blood. It's kind of nasty. It's messy. Fishermen need boots, and it's very, very wet. Okay, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're fishing for people, do you think you need boots? Yeah, in a spiritual sense, you need boots. Why? Because it's messy. People's lives are messy, aren't they? Your life, when you started out, where you had it all put together, and hey, I'm here. The church is so blessed that I'm here. I'm awesome. No, no, you were a mess. Some of you who came in your marriage, you were single, and whatever, you, your life was a mess. And people needed boots for you. Because they had to wait. Maybe boots up to here or here, right? You know what I'm talking about? And they waited in it. It was messy. Okay, fishermen need boots, and you need a bucket, okay, and you need some other stuff. But let's look at this, the life of a fisherman. You know, I looked at, I thought about in the church, how many fishermen do we have in the church? There's one brother in particular, uh, he's the most dedicated fisherman that I know. Uh, he loves fishing. He started out fishing when he was a little kid, and he knows a lot about fishing, Okay, because he's done it a lot. He studied from some of the best. So this is Fernando Rocha, a very, very experienced uh, fisherman. In fact, a lot of this stuff is his, okay, because he's a deep-sea fisherman. 
All right, and, and I, you know, I was interviewing, and I said, tell me about fishing, Fernando. What, what, what does it mean to be a fisherman? He says, it starts a few days early. You, you just don't go out and fish. You, you got to prepare the lures, the rigging, the leader wire, all this stuff. You got you to go prepared. It takes days of preparation. And, and you can't just, just go and do it. Uh, and you also got to wait for the right time. When, when is it going to be the right time to fish? Also, you know, fishing, what does fishing take? Great patience. One thing, if you've done enough fishing, you're going to go fishing and you will catch nothing. It's depressing. But fishermen understand that. Not every time do you go fishing do you catch fish. There's going to be times when you go out and it's not going to happen. Are there any parallels here? Every time you talk to somebody about Jesus, are they going to go, oh, yeah, and they start flapping around just like a fish and saying, oh, yeah, I want to come to church. I want to get right with God. And you just reel them in. Is that the way it works? Absolutely not. It takes great patience. It takes waiting and waiting and waiting. Some of us are very impatient. You know, we're a a push-button society. In fact, we got buttons everywhere. i got buttons all over the place. And we want things instantly. This is why Jesus chose fishermen to follow him. His three top leaders were fishermen. And there's a reason. Because they're patient. You also have to be perceptive. you got to know about the right place, one of the conditions, what time, what place. And you also have to be willing to move around from one place to another. Because you can't stay in one spot. When the fish aren't biting here, you got to go somewhere else. And then you try another place and another place. And then you come back to the original place, and now they're biting. It takes great persistence as a fisherman. You know what else it takes? When you catch a fish, a struggle. A struggle. This particular fish, this Fernando, this, this, for this to go like that, this is a very heavy fish that he's got on the line. You're about to see it. He was telling me when he caught this fish this day, it took him over an hour to reel it in. Could you imagine this struggle for over an hour? I mean, it's a battle. You're battling the fish. The fish run out, then you got to reel them in, and they run out, and then they reel them in, and they go under the boat, they go around the boat, they try to tie themselves in the engine. They will do anything they can to get off that hook. Sound familiar? Dan, you remember how hard you fought to get out of church, to not follow Jesus, all the excuses, all the reasons, all the running, and people pull you back in, pull you back in, and it never gave up on you, never quit. And here's the interesting thing is the last five minutes of the hour-long struggle are the most crucial minutes because the fish is close to the boat, the fish has given it everything he's got to get off the hook. And it is the most delicate time, the, those last moments before you bring them on. Is there a parallel? And also, fishing requires teamwork. Look how big this fish is. How, how, how many pounds was it? This tuna, how much? 220. Okay, 
I'm under 200. That's a big fish. It weighed more than me. Could you imagine trying to reel in somebody bigger than something bigger than me? 220. Any 220s out there? No, don't say it. Okay. Took a whole team to bring in this fish. No team, no fish. Any parallels? It takes a team to bring in a fish, to bring in a person. Okay? And then the final victory. There it is. 220 pounds of ahi tuna. Fresh fish. How long did it take you to eat all that fish, Fernando? How long did it take you to give it away? How long did it last? It was this. Hey, you got a friend. You got a friend, Rudy over there saying, yeah, we had some. This is a lot of fish. But think about it. Any parallels? You catch a big fish, you're going to feed a lot of people, going to help a lot of people, going to make a big difference. You know why Jesus chose fishermen? You can see it right here. You know, not only that, but fishermen are courageous. Fishermen are willing to take incredible risks. How many of you guys have ever seen The Deadliest Catch? You like that show, right? Crazy, right? Discovery Channel. Do you know that we have a brother in the church in Guatemala, your brother, who does this for a living? Five months out of the year, he travels to Alaska. He's in the Bering Sea. And it's not a game. He's he shared that it's exactly like the show. It is very dangerous. They have to basically chain you in to the boat because it's crazy. Uh, the lifeguard is on call 24-7 in the Bering Sea during fishing season. And it's crazy. You know, to be a fisherman, you got to be a little crazy. Right? To be this kind of fisherman, you got to be a little crazy. Right? Any parallels? Even Peter and James and John and Andrew were a little crazy to be doing that for a living because the, the Sea of Galilee did get violent in an instant. I mean, we see it recently in the news, these two teenagers that thought they could brave the open sea and off the coast of Jupiter. I know that coastline. It looks beautiful. But in an instant, everything can change and it can get violent and the boat was found capsized and the teens are gone. This isn't a game. Any parallels? What you and I are doing following Jesus, we can't take it lightly. And we gotta be courageous. And we got to be willing to take risks. And I appreciate Alvaro. Uh, Time Magazine just came out with an article this past that El San Salvador is one of the most dangerous cities in the planet right now. It is crazy right now. And this is our brother here from San Salvador saying, hey, thank you for supporting me. But you need to pray for them. You need to pray for that church. You need to pray for the church in San Pedro Sula. It is the top five, if not one or two, most dangerous cities in the world Violent crime. The murder rate is through the roof. 
Your life is cheap. So to be a fisherman, you got to be a little courageous. And in some cases, very courageous. So I want us to take a look at Luke's version of the same encounter. You know, Luke was a doctor, and he went into greater detail when he told the story. He, he did a more thorough investigation of what happened that day on the Sea of Galilee. And so let's, let's listen to his, his version. Luke chapter 5, verse 3, it says, He got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and asked them to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. What time of day is it? It's the middle of the day. Is this the time to be going fishing? No. If you know anything about the fishing that they did in the Sea of Galilee, during the heat of the day, the fish go down. When you fish is in the night or in the very, very, very early day or, or early part of the morning because the water is cool at the top and the fish come to the top. Does Jesus have any idea how to fish? He has no experience, experience fishing. He grew up in construction. But when Jesus says to do something and you're smart and you're spiritual, you go, mm, I better think about this. Okay, so put out into deep water. Simon answered, Master, we've, been work, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but because you say so. Now, here is a special quality of Peter. He had all the excuses, and he went ahead and he was open with Jesus. Jesus, I've been doing this all night, and we caught zero. It's not going to get any better in the day. Today is not a good day to fish. On top of that, if you go in the middle of the day, it's not a good time to fish. But because you say so. Why? What does that tell you about Peter? He had tremendous respect for the Lord. He was willing to go in spite of everything else in him was saying, don't do this. It makes no sense. Is there any parallels? This is why I believe Peter was one of the chosen because he was willing. Even though it didn't make logical sense to fish at this time of the day, he said, just because you say so, Jesus, that's all that matters, isn't it? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it doesn't have to make sense. If he wants you to do it, you do it. You trust him. It's an incredible step of faith. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break so they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled their boats so full that they began to sink. Imagine the boats going underwater. There's so many fish. It's, it's literally, there's no room to walk around. Did you need boots that day? Yeah, up to here. So many fish. The boats start sinking. This is a catch of a lifetime. Who did this? Jesus did this. but it took their willingness to trust Jesus and do it. Now, I want to show you this next part because it's so, so, so powerful. That This is what I believe the reason why Peter was chosen, why Andrew was chosen, why this is, and maybe it's the reason that you were chosen at one time. Let's look at Peter's response. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. 
For he and all his companions were astonished to catch a fish that they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So right here you have the top three. Who was Jesus' inner circle? Peter, James, John. Why did he pick them? And why did, why did Peter react this way? Why, why, why did he say, Jesus, go away from me? Go, I don't even belong here. What am I doing here in this situation? Why are you on my boat? Go away, Jesus. You see, when a sinful man enters the presence of God, he, he's pushed back. No, no. I don't belong here. I don't belong in this. I, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be here because it doesn't equate me and Jesus, me and God. We don't equate because I know who I am. I just want to be open with you guys. This is one of the reasons why I decided to go in the ministry. It's because I had, I had no background in spiritual things. Wasn't a biblical scholar. In fact, this was my reaction for a long time when I would get around people that followed Jesus who were serious about following Jesus. And I saw, I saw the, the, the presence of God in their lives and I said, this, this is not for me because I'm a sinful man. Remember when you first got invited to church? Some of you, not all of you. Did you feel worthy? Did you feel like you should be at church? Does it, does it feel right for you to be at church? Now, some of you had the same reaction. I have no business being here. I should not be here. And that's exactly why Jesus chose him. See, because, see, religious people, religious Pharisees, they think they should be there. They don't react like this. Oh, yeah, Jesus, right on, man. We're, we're together, you and me, Jesus. I get, yeah, I did this last week, Jesus. And I was praying and I was with God and, 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 and man, really? That's why those people weren't chosen. Because they're religious. And they have a pride about them. He had no pride. It was a sense of unworthiness. And, and I think as you go along in time, and you, you're a Christian for a long time, what happens? You lose this. You think you should be here. You've been here a long time. You sit in the same area, general area, every Sunday. You should be. You're, you're a, a member of the club. You're a member of the church. I should be here. I'm here every Sunday. Awesome. But guys, listen, when, when you come to church and you're in the presence of God, you got to stop and think about that. you got to be honest and real. Do you, does any of us deserve to be here? And this is, part of the hard, this is probably one of the hardest things about my job because I go, God, who am I to do this occupation? I shouldn't be doing this. This is, and I never want to lose this. I never want to be like, ah, who am I to do this job? And just pure gratitude. And then, this is so awesome what Jesus says to Peter. 
He says, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Shh, settle down, Peter. I get it. And Peter wasn't the only one to do this. The prophet Isaiah, when he came in the presence of God, what did he do? Same thing. Go, go away from me, Lord. Go away from me. What business do I have doing this? You're calling me to do what? Don't you know who I am? He covered, they, they, and Moses, same thing. He covered his face. I have no business being here. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll do what? The same thing that you saw happen with the fish. I'm going to do with you with men. Whoa, you're kidding. You mean instead of fish, we're going to see swarms of people? We're going to see people's lives change. We're going, to see, we're going to see people getting their lives right with God. Are you kidding me? I get to be a part of that. And no wonder they pulled their boats on shore and left everything to follow. Who wouldn't leave everything? Who wouldn't? Who would hesitate with such an opportunity to work with Jesus in changing lives? Stop and think about that. Leave this to change people. Who, would do, who, who wouldn't do that? And, you know, I love it in this version and in this, 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 this account because he says, not you're going to fish for men and maybe you'll catch men. No, Jesus goes ahead and says it. You will catch men. He promises it. As long as what, Peter? What do you think? As long as what, Peter? As long as you're willing, Peter. As long as you're willing to go out and fish and throw the line and speak and talk and engage with people, if you do that, I promise you, you will catch fish. Just don't lose that willing heart, Peter. Don't lose it. Stay willing. Let's just stop and ask the question. Right now in your life, now that you know what a follower of Jesus does and is, he's a fisherman. He's a fisherwoman. Peter was told by Jesus, go out and let down the net. For us as fishermen of men and fisherwomen, what do we do? We go out and we talk to people about Jesus. We witness. We share. We engage. We connect with them. Can I just ask you a question? Are you willing? Are you willing to lay down your net and follow Jesus? Are you willing to open your mouth and tell people what God has done for you? Yeah, but it might come across stupid. It's not the right time, Jesus. Jesus, you don't understand. I know people today in the 21st century. You don't know people in the first 21st century. I, am, I know how they respond to religion and to Jesus and to church and, and, and God. I know they, they don't, they're not open. i got to find another angle. Who, who is this about? That's why Peter chose, or Jesus chose Peter. And I believe that Jesus chose you. But things can change. Your willingness can change. So let me leave you with this. Okay, let me leave you with a few things. Fisher men and fisher women. 
I don't know if this word exists, but we're, we're inventing it today. Fisher women. Okay? Are you willing to make the time? To connect with people takes time. People in our community. And it's not just trying to get them to come to church and study the Bible. I'm talking about being out in the community. You know, we're about to start in the fall, the, 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 the season of, of, of service. And, and Will's got a table set up out there. And, and we need to be making time to be in the community, serving people who are in need. Do you have time? And I'm afraid too many of you are way too busy. You don't have time. You're working doing a lot of stuff. And, and hey, these guys worked. Paul had to work and do the ministry. There's things, responsibilities that we have, but can you make a little time for people? Number two, will you listen to the Holy Spirit? Let me, let me just make this clear. What is the most important thing on the heart of the Holy Spirit? The will of God. And what is the will of God? That all men be saved. He is burning with a desire to help other people that are not saved get saved. And you guys know this, right? I know this. I know it for sure because when I'm out and about, I, I go talk to them. Yeah, I don't know. Is this the right time? Go talk to them. Are you willing to listen to the Holy Spirit or are you going to shut him down? This is what he's saying. And number three, will you be hospitable? Will you have strangers in your house? Do you know how weird that is? Complete strangers, invite them for dinner. How well do you know these people? You know, when we were missionaries in Rio de Janeiro, and just so I say it, when I was a missionary in Rio de Janeiro, it was number two in the world most dangerous city. So you're, you're okay, you're in good company. It was dangerous. My parents, there was a Time magazine that you flipped the cover and they had travel advisories. What places not to go as an American? First on the list, 1991, don't go to Rio de Janeiro as a traveler or a U.S. citizen. We went there to live and be missionaries. And we'd have Bible talk in our house. And we had complete strangers in our house. My parents said, You are crazy. What are you doing? I'm following Jesus. Guys, I, I feel like, let me just say this. I feel like as a church, we've lost our fisherman's edge. Okay, we, we've lost it. We used to be known for being fishermen. We would talk to people. We'd do, we'd do outlandish things to save people. Not anymore. Prayers and Bible studies with people. You know, it's not enough just to hand somebody an invitation. You know, something I've been doing the last year or so is, is asking people, do you need prayer? Like right now. It's changed everything. You know what people say? Yep. And if the prayer is really, the need is really great, guess what I say? Can I pray for you right now? Do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder? And pray over you. And I, I just want to say this. It's okay for you to do that. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. You're, you're chosen by God. You're not an elder. You're not a minister. 
you're a child of God. And your faith into their faith, God can do incredible things. Now, I'm not just saying this. I checked it out. I spoke with one of our teachers in our fellowship of churches. He's a Bible scholar. He says, okay for members to pray over people. Now, anointing them with oil is a little different. That's for elders. But we can pray over people. We can pray for people. In fact, when Jesus healed people, what did he do? There's something about the physical touch. So would you be willing to do that? Now, you've got to ask permission. You don't just go putting your hand on some stranger. <laughs> you might not like it. But pray for people. When we at, well, right across the street, when we asked this of a guy we were reaching out to, he invited us in when we said these words. Can we pray for you? He said, come on in. Let's talk. Everything came out. And then we got these Bible studies, you know, Core 4, and then there's the old school Bible studies. They're right there on our website. Hey, guys, I got a secret. They still work. I just did them this past week or two with a married couple, and these studies that we use, they still work. This still works. It changes people's lives. Are you willing? Oh, but I've never done a Bible study. You come and do the Bible study for me. No, I don't need to do the Bible study for you. You can do this. You're a fisherman. You're a fisherwoman. You can do this. And you get really good at it the more you do it. And then the last thing, building relationships. Hey, we're, we're, not, we're not just inviting people, you know, recruiting them. Come and be a part of our church. No, no, no. We want a relationship with these people. I got relationships with people that I studied the Bible with 25, 28 years ago. They aren't a member, they're a friend. We connected. This is about building relationships and then they're gonna have kids and you're gonna know the kids and you're gonna gonna follow them along and it's it's amazing. Are you willing? All right, so let's, let's deal with some things here because this is really, really important. Okay, because I, I feel like there's some hesitation. Can, can you see people? I'm going to show you one of the wildest healings that Jesus ever did. It's a crazy story. It was a double, double, twice-touch healing. And it's interesting that it's in this place in the Bible because right before this time, when Jesus did this, double, this kind of double-touch miracle, He's talking to his disciples, and he's saying, you guys don't get it, do you? You, you see, but you don't see. You're missing the point, Jesus is saying. You, you don't see what I'm seeing. And then he does this miracle. So let's watch this. In Mark chapter 8, verse 22, it says, Then he came to Bethsaida, and some people brought him a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. This is powerful. A whole group of you. This wasn't a blind man. This is it's all of his friends. And they said, hey, Jesus, Heal this guy. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him outside. So blind people, can they see? And there's different stages of blindness, so you understand. In this verses, there's, there's four verses we're going to look at. In these four verses, do you know how many times Jesus mentions 
sight or seeing or blind nine times in these verses. Verse 23, when he spit, okay, this is a little gross. He spit in the guy's eye. If you spit in somebody's eye, that's offensive. All right, but this is how Jesus did things. Look, and I'm blind, I want to see, you spit in my eye, please. He spit in the man's eye, put his hands on him, and Jesus asked him, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Now let's stop here a minute. Was his, was his sight restored? No. Not completely. And when God does something, it's complete. Let's talk about trees. Do you see trees? Yeah. Do you notice trees? Sometimes. The majority of the times you don't. Do you talk to trees? <laughs> When's the last time you talked to a tree? You don't talk to trees. Because they're trees. Trees don't have emotions. Trees don't have feelings. Trees don't have sadness, gladness. Trees don't feel anything. They're just trees. And so we're surrounded by trees here in California, this part of California. You walk outside, there's a tree, and you, you walk by it every day. You don't acknowledge the tree. You don't go, hi, tree. You just walk by it. You, you take trees for granted because you just see trees. When you see a tree, you acknowledge a tree. This guy, when he saw people, what did he see? When you see people, what do you see? And too many of us, we're walking around with people all around us, and all we see are trees. It's the same. We don't talk to them. We don't engage with them. We don't look at them. We don't connect with them. And there's a reason. There's a reason you don't connect with them. Because you can't see. You're blind. You're blind to their needs. You're blind to their pain. You're blind to their spiritual condition. And so what did Jesus have to do? Once more. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and he then his eyes were opened and his sight was fully restored and he, he saw everything what? Say, say it with me. He saw everything what? Clearly. He didn't see trees anymore, did he? What did he see? People. What do you see? Do you see people? Do you see beyond the appearances, the facades? Do you think they're okay? Do you see people the way Jesus sees people? I got to make a confession, guys. There's too often when, when I don't see people for who they really are the way Jesus sees them. And this is a huge problem. The solution to this problem is right here. Ask Jesus for a second touch. I want you to ask Jesus for a second touch so you can see people as he sees them. And you can see beyond the facade. You can see beyond and you can start looking at them and say, man, this guy's hurting. This woman, she's hurting. This couple, they're hurting. Let me, let me, just, let me just step out on a limb here. Let me throw a line. Let me share my testimony. And then he saw everything clear as Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. Now this whole issue with the village it's weird because Jesus took them outside of the village. There was a faith issue in that village. And if he would have stayed in the village, he might not have been able to do the miracle. 
Guys, listen, faith is so important in our community. You've got to believe. You've got to be a little crazy to follow Jesus. We talked about that, right? And some of us are too predictable. We don't believe. Jesus has got to go somewhere else to do his miracles. Are you guarded? Are you guarded? Have you had some bad experiences sharing your faith, studying the Bible with people, being in the church? Have you had any negative experiences? I have. I have. There's a passage for you. This is a passage for me. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 18. Now, right before this, Paul reaches his limit with his fellow Jews because they're rejecting him. They're persecuting him. They're, they're, they're despising him because of his faith. And he says, you know what, guys? You know what? I'm finished with you. I'm not going to speak to you anymore. I'm going to go speak and reach out to the Gentiles because they are open. Did he do it without pain or without emotion? No. If you read the book of Romans, you hear his pain. You hear his heart. Chapter 10 and 11, you hear his heart. He says, I'm will, I'm, I'd be willing to exchange my own place of salvation for theirs. He hurt. He was in so much pain over his, over his people, the Israelites, not receiving Jesus. He was discouraged. And look what happens. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Don't be afraid, Paul. These guys wanted to kill him. Don't be afraid. Keep on doing what? Keep speaking. Okay, so if Jesus were going to speak to us today as a church, what would he say? Keep speaking. Keep talking about me. Keep sharing about me. Don't be quiet. Please, it's their only hope. You don't have to be perfect. Just don't stop talking about him. Don't be silent. Please don't be silent. Connect with people. But this gets to us. Jesus saying, don't be afraid, for I am with you. And I just want to proclaim this today, that Jesus is with you. He's with us. We're his followers. Stop doubting like they did in the village. He loves you. He died for you. I'm with you. And no one is going to attack you or harm you. Thank God we don't live in some places of the world where there wouldn't be this guarantee. Now, this is the part I want us to hear really loud and clear because I have many people in this city. Is there anybody in West Covina that needs the Lord? Is there anybody in your neighborhood that needs the Lord? Is there anybody that works with you that needs the Lord? Is there anybody at school with you that needs the Lord? You have no idea. Do you know that last night, somebody that you know may have been thinking about suicide? Did you know that somebody that you may know this past week has been thinking about divorce and ruining their marriage and family and scarring their children for a long time? Do you know that people that you know are very depressed and discouraged and ask themselves, why, why am I even alive? And they question that. Now, they won't tell you that the next time because they see you at work and what do they do? Hi. How you doing? Awesome. What do they need? 
friend so the guard can come down, so the conversation can happen. I have many people in this city. Church, God has many people in this city. And we need to reach them. And then here in Matthew, this is just so we clear it up. Not Matthew, this is, this is, uh, this is John 15. John 15 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Some of us think we decided to come to church, didn't you? Hey, I chose Jesus. No, 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 no. You did not choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. And let me just say this. If you're visiting here with us today, you think that you got dragged here, bribed here, there's a greater invitation behind the invitation for food and coffee. Jesus is behind the invitation, and he's calling you, and he says, I want you to come close to me. I want a relationship with you. I chose you. And guess what else? I appointed you. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. How long will it last? You have no idea how long this fruit is going to last forever, forever. That whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. I want to introduce you uh, a couple who... uh, was just recently baptized and married, so I'm going to ask them to come on up, if you guys would. Judy and Jaime Chavez. Now, I want to just say this to begin. These guys are not professional speakers, okay? This may be the first time that they share in front of a group of people, so I would encourage you to be patient and go with it and understand. But they just had... They just had their whole lives changed in the last couple of months. And uh, I'll let Jaime start. Morning, church. Uh, my name's Jaime Chavez, and it uh, uh, wasn't too long ago that uh, uh, I was fairly lost. I was lost. I had lost love, my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time, of course. Uh, We were living in sin uh, for 19 years, on and off. And uh, through our closest friends, uh, Cynthia and Barry Cooks, uh, we began coming to this church. Her first, long before me. And then, as Peter said, she dragged me here. (laughs) And uh, uh, this church has really touched us uh, in many ways. Uh, Through the gift of uh, several people in this church, we were married last Monday. Um, Without their help and without their uh, uh, giving, without their uh, generosity, uh, we wouldn't be here right now. We, uh, we truly thank them for everything that they've done for us, uh, uh, especially uh, Joe and Sandy, uh, for they, they were the driving force putting everything together to make our wedding such a beautiful thing, as you can see in the picture. Um, our entire family was there, with the exception of uh, my oldest daughter and my granddaughter, uh, who live very far away. <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, uh, they really uh, made an impact in our lives. 
And it is through them and through Peter and Laura that uh, we, we've come to uh, uh, really believe in the Lord. And uh, it is through this church that we, uh, we feel we, we truly are blessed. Hi. <laughs> Good morning, church. Um, I've been coming here for about two years off and on. Um, you've made me feel at home. This is my family from my other family. And um, I'm actually just really grateful to all of you for everything that you all have done for us, especially Cindy and Barry. They're back there somewhere. <laughs> um, we just, you know, we're just really grateful that we are... Um, on this journey with all of you. Um, like they said, you make the connection, you've made that connection for us, and we're grateful. Thank you. Can I, hey, can, before you guys go, uh, can, can I ask you a quick question? Uh, you, you, you got married uh, Monday night, why Monday? That's a good question. Um, I don't have, I don't really have a, a good answer for it, other, <laughs> other than, um, you know, we, we needed to do this as quickly as possible, because as both you and, and Laura have, uh, have told us uh, on a few occasions, is that tomorrow is not promised. Mm -hmm. So the sooner the better. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, I, I've heard of Monday Night Football. I've heard of Monday night baseball. I've never heard of a Monday night wedding. And I respect Judy and Jaime because we got to do this. Once they understood what was at stake. The reason why I had them share, guys, is there are so many more people out there that need this. That they, 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 need, they need to get right with God. And what was so awesome is Jaime got baptized and then he baptized his wife. And guess who is watching? This whole family's watching. And people are watching. And they're looking for hope. So I, I, I want to I wanna ask you, you know, this is cute, and, and the fishing and the shirt and all that, that's cute. But listen, we're, we're talking about people's lives. And if you knew the story behind Jaime and Judy... Their lives were, were, were a really, just like mine, just like a lot of ours, were a real mess. And God says, come on. Come, come follow me. And let's, let's now take the communion. See, Jesus didn't just choose us. It says here, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus gave his life so you and I could be community. Jesus gave his life so that you and I could be fishermen, fisherwomen. So we would have that power, that ability to change people's lives. So today I want to I wanna call you to wake up from your sleep of not being an evangelistic church. You know, many years ago, there's a story of a, a life-saving station on a, on a very, very dangerous coastline. 
And it, was, it started out as a very, very small, rugged, life-saving station. And as time went on, they went out and saved many, many shipwrecks. Went out there and saved people's lives and just snatched them from the rocks and saved their lives. As time went on, it, it became a well-known life-saving station and, and they built on it and more people wanted to become members and, and they, they grew it out and they said, we need to build a bigger facility, we need to get new boats and we need to become a bigger uh, life-saving station. And as they had the big place and the new boats and more members and more people, guess what happened? It became a club. And it was no longer about saving lives. It was more about just being a members of a club. So some of the members were, were disgruntled and, and, and they said, you know what, we want this to be a life-saving station, so we're going to go somewhere else and, and we're going to start a new life-saving station over here. And, and this went on for years and years and years. And guess how many life-saving stations there were on that coast? Scores of them. And so few were dedicated to saving lives. It's a great description of the United States of America church. Do you know that 95%, some studies have said 95% of Christians in the United States have never led somebody else to Christ? That's shocking. Let that never be said about us. And so I, I want us to be praying and thinking about Jesus as we celebrate the, the, the communion right now. I really want to encourage you to make some decisions. And if you're here as a guest, I, I want to encourage you to think about what you've heard today and how God wants to use you to change maybe your family and your community. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this time that we can remember Jesus, his body, his blood that were poured out for us. Father, we ask you to bless this communion. We ask you, God, to forgive us of our sins, of cowardice and selfishness. God, for not listening to your Holy Spirit. God, I ask you to forgive me for not being a great example. And I pray, Father, that you'll please help us all and give us a new start so that we can connect with our community, not just in bringing people to church and studying the Bible, but just, just sharing with people and helping the poor and the needy with nothing expected in return. Father, please help us to have big hearts like Jesus. God, we love you. Bless us and help us. Bless this communion. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.